Hi there, and welcome to the Ones to Watch podcast. Here we discuss exciting technology companies with their founders and CEOs leading their industries, going deep on strategy, success, and their plans for future industry disruption and domination. I'm Paul Quatricasas, founder and CEO of Aqua Partners and creator of the Ones to Watch podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share with you how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that, let's get started. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Ones to Watch by Aqua Partners. And of course, I'm your host, Rye Russell, and I'm always excited to talk to entrepreneurs that are helping to save the world. And everybody plays a part in this. And our next guest is no exception. And I'm really excited. Patrick, thank you so much for agreeing to spend some time with me today. You bet. Really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, Patrick, most of the entrepreneurs that I speak to that, if you will, I say we're joining the army to save the world. But I know that not all of us woke up one day and said, okay, this is going to be my life's mission. And so I'm always fascinated by the journeys of the entrepreneurs. And so, Patrick, I'd love to hear where your career started and how did it bring you here? Well, it's uh, it's it's interesting, and it's quite quite lengthy at this stage of my career. So, you know, I um, I'm I'm an undergrad engineer. I went to Georgia Tech for undergrad engineering, and then I got my MBA from from USC. Kind of worked in the specialty chemical industry. I've worked in uh, extensively in the tech industry. First ten years after grad school, uh, ten years up in uh, the Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area for a number of the larger tech companies. And then I started running technology companies back in 2001, uh, pretty much right after 9-11. And uh, this is my fourth uh, tech startup, but this is my first uh, technology company in the agriculture space. So we're selling to farmers, we're selling to um, dealers that sell into the farming industry, irrigation equipment, farm equipment, um, farming co-ops, um, ag retailers, you know, a variety of different folks like that. So. It's been a really interesting journey, and it's really nice to be working on something where we are kind of doing well by doing good, um, which I think is an, an important thing to, to have as a goal these days. Amazing, and we could not agree more. And so, Patrick, I'd love for you to help me and the audience understand a little bit more about Grow Guru. Sure. So, Grow Guru is in the we call the strategic irrigation management space. We help farmers make more money by increasing crop yield while at the same time, more efficiently using water and other scarce resources like fertilizer, labor, and energy in a more efficient and more sustainable way. And we do that through a combination of soil sensors in the ground, a cloud-based recommendation engine that uses uh, machine learning. And we pull in other data from some of our strategic partners and then we provide that information, which is, you know, recommendations about when and how much to irrigate on a very simple, intuitive, farmer-friendly user interface. And why is that so important for farmers? Um, it's, it's a real hot point. You know, nothing impacts crop yield and crop quality more than proper irrigation, proper use of water. Even fertilizer is directly related to having the right amount of water in the crop and all the action is at the root zone of the crop. So what we're doing is we're installing soil sensors next to the root zone of the crop and really monitoring things like soil health, um, 
root growth, root depth, um, a variety of different factors. And then we combine that with what's going on above the ground with our partners like weather forecasts, crop modeling, um, what's going on in the broader spatial area. And this is both good from a being good stewards of the land uh, as a farmer means you're going to sequester more carbon, means you're going to be more efficient with water, means you're going to be more efficient with fertilizer. You're not going to get nitrates leaking into the groundwater. So there's just many environmental and social impacts by being a good farmer. On top of that, if you those, those practices, they're very synergistic with having something that makes more money. So it's, um, you know, and the payback period is relatively short for products like ours, less than one growing season. And the impact is, is really high um, in terms of a 10 to 20% savings on input costs and a 10 to 20% increase in crop yield. So it's really good all around. You know, it's, it's, a, it's good for the environment, but it's also good for the farmers, which have, these guys have really tough jobs. I mean, farming is, is really hard. It's definitely not something that I could do. And so I love meeting the individuals that, that are helping support them because we know that agriculture is the foundation really of our survival. And so it's just amazing to see some of the technology that's being introduced into agriculture. And so yeah. obviously if you can save the farmers money, that's great for business, but why do consumers care? Uh, consumers are getting more and more interested in how things have an impact on the environment, on our climate, on sustainability. And, you know, we're one of, of probably a half a dozen kind of key best practices for optimizing around those outcomes. So um, people care a lot more. I mean, COVID was a great example of the strategic nature and importance of our food supply. And, you know, everybody has to drink fresh water. Everybody has to eat. And we're doing things that really impact both of those things in a positive way. So I think even pre-COVID, there was an awareness of it. Post-COVID, there's even more of an awareness around it. And with everything that's going on with climate change and, and things like that, I think that people really want to do what's right, not only for today's generation, but the generations in the future. Well, and speaking of, of strategy, Patrick, I'm curious because nobody can help save the world on their own. And so I was wondering, have you found any strategic alliances and partnerships that have kind of joined forces with you to help in these missions? Yeah, well, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, I've been in the tech industry for 25 years and, and all the successful technology companies believe in strategic partnerships. It's something that's more new in the agriculture industry, but in the ag tech space, that's been a big part of our strategy all along is if there's a best in class solution out there and we can create a business model that's a win-win for us and that strategic partner, why not? Why not build an ecosystem of partners? Because you're gonna get to market quicker, you're gonna have a solution that's excellent already. So why have this kind of non-invented here, do-it-yourself uh, model where you know, there's not necessarily value for the farmer and ultimately value for you because you can invest your scarce resources and your core competencies in the areas where you can highly differentiate yourself. So an example uh, for weather forecast and for crop models, we partner with a company called DTN. Um, in soil moisture probes, we have two partners that we work with today, AquaCheck and Centec, both leaders in the field of providing uh, soil sensor technology. And then we have a number of other partners that are our dealers. You know, we, we work with a number of farming co-ops co and agronomy groups and 
farm equipment and irrigation equipment dealers that really, instead of, it, as a small startup company, it would be physically impossible to build a sales force big enough, fast enough to address the market opportunity and reach enough farmers. So partnerships at the dealer channel level are critically important for the success of a company like ours. And they've already built the relationships and we can help them make more money and they can help us grow faster. That's incredible. And you're right. The tech industry has seen to really understand the importance of collaboration and bringing partnerships together to maximize innovation. Was that something when you got into agriculture, did you see any friction there? Or do you think people are adopting that kind of collaborative mindset? I think it's even even for folks that might want to implement it, you have to have the experience on how to do it. So it's kind of like, you know, two teenagers, you know, hanging out, wanting to kind of take things to the next level, they have no experience. So they might want to get, get something going on, but they can't because it's like, you have to have that knowledge and creativity and how do you craft strategic partnerships? So there's a variety of different tools that you can use to kind of help win-win situations in those types of, uh, of deals. And unless you have somebody that has a lot of experience doing that, which I do and some few folks on my team do, then you really can't, even if you wanted to, you can't seem to get it done. Are there any tricks or tips that you have for the entrepreneurs in the space that are saying to themselves, wow, you know, there's this one component of my business and maybe it's not something I'm very strong at. And so I need to line up somebody that is a little bit more disciplined in that area. Do you have any recommendations that, that you can share with us about how you would successfully create a strategic partnership? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, it's like any relationship. You, you date before you get engaged, you get engaged before you get married. There's a process. So start with a dialogue, start with an investigation of even who's out there. And then talking to your customers is a great way to get referrals. When we are looking for, for channel partners, we say, who are the great people that service you? Who are the, who, you know, who are the best companies out there that do an excellent job at sales and customer support and that you really like working with? And, you know, then if they have the right fit with us where, our, our relationship with them can have an impact on their business. If you kind of just get lost in the shuffle and say, for instance, you have a big tractor dealer and they're used to doing these hundred, you know, ten thousands of dollars deals and we're like a thousand dollar deal. Maybe that isn't interesting, but for somebody that kind of works in the price ranges that we do, it could be pretty interesting for them. So kind of understanding their business um, and kind of how they make money and how they work and then building relationships with those people. And maybe you start with a trial. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to jump in right away and, you know, have this elaborate strategic partnership. You know, let's, let's, let's work together and see how that goes and see how we work together. And then from there, you can kind of build off of that and see if you can have a, um, a business model that works. Now, going into it, I, do, I think you do want to look downstream and say, okay, let's see if we actually get to the next step. Is there a business model that I can contemplate that, you know, works for us and works for them where we can both make money? Or is it one of these things where, you know, the margin stacking um, on top of this thing is going to be prohibitively prohibitive from a price standpoint for the farmers. So kind of being conscious and cognizant of that is important, but, you know, being creative on how you work around those things can be, can be a, a good deal. You I mean, you don't necessarily have to margin stack. They can sell and you can sell. You can cross-reference each other's products. 
So there's there's a variety of different solutions for kind of all these different problems that you run into in, in building ecosystem partnerships. And I think there's there's no set playbook, right? Like so many entrepreneurs are saying, you know, this joint venture, this strategic partnership, and we all like to you know, cross our T's and dot our I's, but sometimes I feel like we get caught up in all of these possible hypotheticals and it's like, well, actually there's this opportunity right ahead of us. So yeah. let's, let's nail this together and see how that works out and then go to that next level of engagement. So I really appreciate that. Good, good. Now, another thing that we have taken, I suppose, from the tech industry into sustainability is obviously some of the hardware, the sensors, and some of these data readings. And the more that I've kind of researched the Internet of Things coming into sustainability, agriculture, farming, it's been fascinating to me, but it's also been kind of like, look at all of this data that we've left on the table for years. And so I would love if you don't mind kind of sharing, you know, just how is the Internet of Things in these new data points helping to uh, play a part in this increased efficiency for the agriculture? Well, I think it's it's really important. It's, cr- it's critically important. Um, if you look at even big companies like John Deere, you know, every tractor that they sell now has, you know, precision location on them, um, even though there's a farmer sitting on a combine or a farmer sitting on a tractor, these things are almost completely autonomous vehicles. So there's a lot of things related to that, that the technology is being adopted almost automatically in a lot of these cases, and it's in a seamless way. And, you know, farmers are, like I said, farmers are tough. They're, you know, they're, they're very savvy, savvy business people. They, uh, they have a very difficult job that have, has a lot of inputs. And, you know, there's been a, if you look at agriculture as an industry, it's been a laggard in terms of adopting digital technologies compared to other industries, which is great for us because we're in the early innings of what's a massive market opportunity. Um, but they, they, there's a lot of trust. You know, there's not in selling to corporations. You know, there's this process of you've got to break in, and that 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 sales cycle may take six months, 12 months, two years, depending upon what kind of customers you have. In the pay TV industry, sometimes it would take two years. In the automotive industry, sometimes it takes even longer. So but once you break in, you get a big design win, it can go massive very quickly. You know, you get on the next Ford Focus or whatever it is. So with the agriculture industry, I mean, there's a lot, there's million, you know, over a million farmers in the United States. And these are predominantly multi-generational family farmers. I mean, there are big, big farmers with, you know, a lot of land, but most of them are multi-generational family farmers. Now they've gotten bigger over time because there has been consolidation, um, but they're, they're running a family business and it's basically them. And maybe they have a small staff, but it's, um, it's a different type of thing. So there's a lot of trust that has to be built up. So in the agriculture industry, even though it does have the potential to be massive, it takes a little bit, it's a little bit slower on the front. It's kind of like bamboo growing, you know, it doesn't look like it's growing at all. Then it shoots up and it's, you know, 40 feet high. So building that foundation takes a lot more patience um, and it may not be a good thing for venture investing in the early stages because the venture investors are expecting these, you know, not, a, not even unicorns, now super unicorns from their investments, which by the way, I don't think is realistic. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But they also expect things to go viral at a very early stage. And that's not how agriculture works. Now, the good news is on the back end, 
the stuff's a lot stickier. So once you've built that trust and you've built that relationship and you, you know, they trust you, churn is extremely low. So, you know, both from a software as a service and IOT products and bringing those technologies that can be really game changers for the farmer and help them be more efficient and make more money. Once you're in, if it actually truly does add value, it can be a great business. That's amazing. Patrick, thank you so much. Because first of all, you can tell that you have passion and empathy for our farmers in the agriculture industry, which I love and I appreciate so much. So thank you for that. And I appreciate you bringing your expertise to this industry and to the ones to watch. For those tuning in, Patrick, what is the best way for them to stay connected to you? Yeah, you can find me on on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, those are probably the two two best ways. I'm at Quest Fusion on Twitter, and then it's Patrick Henry Groguer, I believe, on on LinkedIn. Um, you know, as far as Groguer, we're at you know the the typical www.groguer.com. Um, that's another good way to kind of stay in touch with the company. And you know, we're we're, we're active on social media, and you know, we enjoy you know working and collaborating within the tech industry and also within the agriculture industry. Amazing! Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you. Really appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Of course, and of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in to another episode of The Ones to Watch. And of course, check out our show notes and be sure to click the links. You'll be able to go to growguru.com directly. Also, you'll find all of the links to connect with Patrick further. So we're very grateful for you joining us and we'll see you on the next episode of The Ones to Watch. Thanks for listening to The Ones to Watch podcast. If you're interested in sharing your company's story and joining us as a guest on the show, please visit www.aquapartners.com slash podcast slash apply. If you liked what you heard, please also visit me and my firm Aqua Partners on LinkedIn and Connect. We're always keen to expand our networks and engage with like-minded individuals. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, I'm Paul Quattracasas. Thanks for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast.